Get your official Adam Sank Show merchandise at adamsank.com. T-shirts, tank tops, mugs, masks, just about everything you can think of emblazoned with the Adam Sank Show logo. Go to adamsank.com to order your merch today. Thank you. is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. And now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. Yes, I'm here, the one and only. Welcome to the Adam Sank Show, bitches. We are coming at you live. If you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, June 12th, 2021, at the all-new DNRstudios.com, the only place to hear this podcast live and throughout the week that it first airs. Don't forget to download the new DNR Studios app. Leave us your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. Email me, the one and only me, at adam and adamsank.com. Listen, this is a good day to call in live because we're going to be airing out a lot of dirty laundry. And I am genuinely curious to get a listener reaction to those of you subscribers who heard last week's episode with Jordan Power. We're going to be talking a lot about that. So if you have, a, if you have some, if you're feeling some type of way, call us at 804-TALK-ASS. You can also call us anytime and leave us a voicemail. Like the Adam Sank Show Facebook page, download my comedy albums, etc., etc. Oh, get your official ass merch, t-shirts, tank tops, even a stray cat named Mittens. The link to all that is adamsank.com. One more thing. It is podcast awards season again. My favorite time of year when I beg all of you to nominate this podcast uh, for best LGBTQ podcast in the podcast awards. We were nominated our very first year out of the gate and then never again. So this is my last try before I resign from podcasting forever. This is it. Beginning July 1st. That's when nomination season begins. And through the end of that month, just go to podcastawards.com. Register with them as a nominator. It is quick and easy. They will not spam you. Then nominate the Adam Sank Show in the LGBTQ category and the People's Choice category. I'm going to keep hammering at this uh, through the end of July. So get used to it. Okay. Do we want another category to put in just in case? So here's the thing. I actually considered this year going into the comedy category. Yeah. But I don't really believe that's where we belong. Okay. I think we are strictly an LGBT. Like, I think that's what mostly defines and us. And you're really not that funny. So, oh. Thank you. Oh my God. I was going to introduce our co-host for today, but I'm, now I'm not going to. Oh God. He can lick my ass. Oh my God. Um, our guest today is Andrew Gerza, the host of the Disability After Dark podcast. He's a really interesting guy, and he'll be talking about... Um, sexuality and sex in the disabled community. But first, it is time to introduce the mysterious voice that you just heard. As you know, Ryan is off gallivanting on a summer sabbatical. Um, So we have a flurry of guest co-hosts coming. And our first is a good friend of mine, a huge fan of this podcast, a professional actor, singer, dancer, and thirst trap. Please welcome Alex Ringler to the stage. Um, I said uh, thank you, everyone. Alex, of all of our listeners and anyone I know, you're the one who like texts me most often about 
whatever just happened on the show yeah. that week. Like, I know. Hmm? I was like, I, I always text you. I was like, can you tell when I'm listening to the podcast? Because like, I'll just berate you with like 10 texts. Of, I love it. Yeah. So tell tell the listeners what you love about the Adam Sank Show. I don't know. It's just, um, I, I, you, you, you keep it fun. You keep it entertaining with the guests and everything. And also JB and Ryan. You guys are fun. Thank you guys you. have a good dynamic. So I think you should be nominated for Best LGBT Podcast in the Podcast Awards this month. <sighs> The studio audience agrees. I also agree, but I'm also afraid because I'm mostly afraid of Romaine. Oh, like, oh because I the, listen, I don't need to win the award. I am happy. I'm ha- perfectly happy for Derek and Romaine to win the award. Yeah. They are my mother and father, as far as this podcast goes. They have a daily podcast. They're on yeah. five times a week. I'm on once a week. It's like apples and oranges. So they can win and they have one and they yeah, should win. Remains I real just, competitive. Yo. <laughs> I just want to be fucking nominated. When you see the shit that's nominated, you're like, who, what? Yeah. There was some terrible nom- nominees last year. I was like, the fuck is these people? Anyway, that is the voice of the newly domiciled JB Bercy, uh, whom we love and who is joining us as always at the board. Yeah. Um, Okay, let's get to recommended viewing. And uh, since Alex, since you're brand new, you tell us uh, something you watched over recently that you would recommend to our listeners. Um, well, I have two also, um, but I'll do the first one now. Um, I started rewatching Scandal on Hulu Ooh. because it came. It, like I was watching something else, some ABC something, and it popped up afterwards, just starting because they do that now. And be like, mm-hmm. hey, watch this show again. And it was kind of nice to harken back to a time when all of these scandals and you know. Things happening in the White House were fiction, and mm-hmm. um, and, and also like when the president having a mistress was like, oh, that's the worst thing that could be happening right. to the country. And then we have a president who was fucking a porn star. So um, <laughs> I was like, this and is cute. Remember this? Remember this cute time? This I feel that like, way when I watch House of Cards. Now. Exactly. It's like, it's like House of Cards seemed so outrageous and over the top at the time. Now it's like uh, tame compared mm-hmm. to what actually it's happened. Like, oh, that's that's real. Yeah. All right, so you're recommending Scandal. Yeah, let's watch it again. Jerry Washington. Oh, very good, very good. Um, you guys know I'm fighting with Netflix and whatnot, so I don't have any Netflix recommendations. I've been rewatching my show's Leverage because the new season comes back July 9th. I'm real excited. So, again, still, guys, watch Leverage. Leverage is great. So you're recommending exactly what you recommended two weeks ago. Isn't it? Because it's my favorite show. It's my favorite white people show. It's really good. <laughs> I still have to check it out. It is on my list. My list is like 10 pages long now of shit that I have to watch. And Leverage is still on. It's still like there's a new season coming out? Yeah, there's, oh. there's, it's called Leverage Redemption. They bring back the old cast except for Timothy uh, Hutton. Chalamet? Oh, I love Timothy oh. Hutton. Yeah, they, he's not coming back. But mm. everyone else is, though. I'm really excited. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to recommend two things. Uh, last night, I watched the movie adaptation of In the Heights the masterpiece by Lin-Manuel Miranda, Mm -hmm. the pre-Hamilton masterpiece, I should say. Um, I had never seen a production of In the Heights, but I knew every word to every song by heart because I've owned the cast album for years. I loved it. I highly recommend it. But, and it's a big but, uh, the last, it's two hours and 40 minutes long, and the last half hour really should be about five minutes long. Are you saying you should like, Go and get popcorn, like right towards the last. Yeah, yeah, yeah I okay. think if you have really have to go to the bathroom, kind of wait till then. The last half hour is when to do that, and cool. don't pause because you're not really going to miss anything. There's not a lot of music. There's not a lot of plot. It's like they just, it just needs a good edit. Hmm. If it had been a two hour and five minute long movie, it would have been perfection. However, still worth watching. 
beautiful performances, beautiful music, very moving. And um, it's just a joyous representation of people of color um, in a way that, that we don't usually get to see in a, in a big studio film like that. It's like a splashy, a splashy big studio musical about people of color. And when was the last time we saw that? And you saw you said Daphne Rubin Vega is really good. Oh, Daphne Rubin Vega from uh, the the original. Um, help me out. Rent. Yeah. What's there her name? What's her name? What Mimi? Mimi. The original Mimi from Rent. Thank you. <laughs> she looks so good. She looks fantastic, and she's amazing in the role of Daniela. Also, I feel like since you didn't know that she was the original Mimi from Rent, means you can no longer be nominated for Bitch, Best LGBT. I knew who podcast. she was, and I knew it was Rent. I couldn't remember the name of the character at this moment. But Alex, I, you're I fired. Also, I also think that it's it's nice that she gets her like come up as in this amazing role in here since she was omitted from the Rent movie. So it's like, uh, oh. thank you, exactly, exactly. Yeah, she, awesome. Her this... part was played by Rosario Dawson, right? Yes, who was fantastic. Okay. Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to get into what happened last week. Uh, and JB wants to go on record as saying he thinks oh. it's a mistake to give this piece of shit any more attention. Yeah, uh, this is official JB sponsorship. I do not support negativity in, in, any, of my, in any of my lives. Like, don't, don't come for any of my shows. Like, the only person who talks shit about my, uh, my shows is me. And I feel a way. I want to fight. But, you know, being the good person I am, guy rise above it and whatnot, I just don't think we should give this piece of shit he literally does not want to press play on a, on a sound clip I want you guys to hear. But before we do that, let me just say this. Last week, I've never in my life come for a guest. And you know this, JB. Yeah. We've had people yeah. on this show who I don't necessarily love. And we've had people I do love who just weren't great guests through no fault of their own. You've never I've never come for anyone. You've like edged for a guest, but you've never come for them. Thank you. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I've done more than edge. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> but Jordan Power... <clears throat> was a unique situation, and I thought we had had a great conversation. I thought it was a really lively, interesting episode. I know for a fact that I plugged the hell out of his book, and I said the name of his book over and over and over again, which is what I do for every guest who comes on here. Like, yep. you come on my show, I'm going to promote the shit out of whatever it is you want me to promote. So, okay, so let's just stop there for now. Alex, w w without knowing anything that went on afterwards, how did you feel as a fan of the ass, as a listener to that episode? How did you feel I did, and how did you feel the discussion went? I thought it went well. I mean, towards the end, you, you mean you got into kind of, like you did with, what was the other guest you said? Aaron Berg. With Aaron Berg, yes. Um, you kind of had a back and forth, which it didn't feel like it went like over the line either way. It sounded like you guys were just talking with each other. And yes, you had different opinions, but you were talking about them. It didn't necessarily seem too combative. I mean, you did call him or like his side fucking morons at one point, but in kind of a joking way. So I don't think it's anything to be taken. Like, it didn't really sound that harsh. And then I listened to Jordan Powerbottom show and it was um, <laughs> not... Um, we're not shaming power bottoms. No, please, yes. Um, Some of us are power bottoms. Um, thank you. <laughs> no, I, you're right. I was def I, So I went back and I listened to myself and I was definitely more combative than yeah. I would have been with any guest whom I didn't already have a relationship with. Like with Aaron Berg, we go back years. I knew I could okay. like be like, you're a fucking idiot mm. and he would be fine with it. I made an assumption based on listening to Jordan's podcasts and reading his book, which I did cover to cover in preparation for his segment. I made an assumption that like, he can take it. He's a, got a thick skin. He can roll with it. He would enjoy the Especially back and with forth. the things he talks about, he must get this exactly. a lot. And so it's like, you, you would think he'd be able to kind of roll with the punches. But I was wrong to assume that. I will say, 
after we got off the air, I texted him. I almost always reach out to guests and say just thank you for being on the show. I reached out to him. I said, thank you so much. I'm sorry we ran out of time. I hope you'll come back. And he was like, absolutely. And then I asked him if Brad, his former co-host and best friend, had any reaction to the book since he's written about extensively in the book as the character Ben. And Jordan wrote back to me, I don't know. Um, we don't speak anymore. And I said, oh, that's sad. I said, for the record, I thought your portrayal of him was very loving. And he was like, oh, thanks, man. So it's, I, it's sad, I felt, but, but it's also telling that they don't talk about <laughs> well, you exactly. anymore. Exactly. So I felt like, okay, we have this connection. Like, we're cool with each other. And I really thought he had had a perfectly good time on the show. Now, I didn't expect him to get on his show and talk about me. You don't have to mention me. You don't have to say anything about being on another podcast. He's got a lot of other things to talk about. But if you are going to mention me, have the courtesy to say my name and the name of our show. Yep. This is, in fact, what he said. Take a listen. Okay. Gone. I was on a podcast today. I talked to you about it. They're gone. Uh, I don't even want to say. I don't want to promote them. <laughs> so I'm on a podcast today, right? And he's like, he, I'm on for um, most of the podcasts I've done have been like non-combative. It's just like talk about the book, whatever. But like. I'm down to like debate and stuff like that. I mean, it's kind of what I sound signed up for. And so I'm on the show today and then he's, he's, I can tell he's getting to the end of the interview and he's going to have his moment. He's going to have his moment that he can <laughs> clip and put somewhere. Um, that people only listen to because it's me and he's going to have this clip. And so he's ready to like have his moment. He's like, okay, now I have now I need to have my time when I'm cunty with you. And he's like, I've been doing a lot of research, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, that's your problem because I'm a silly comedian. Like, you really shouldn't be digging that far. And he's like, I've been listening to your show and like, it's just, it's so, uh, it's just, I'm just, he's like, I'm just disappointed, disappointed. Like, he's my mom. He's like, I'm just disappointed that it's so conspiratorial and like right wing. I'm like, first of all, immediately I know he's gone. He's like ideologue, like he's gone. Like, he's not really even listening to what I say. Because I said to him, I go, well, what's conspiratorial? Like, fill me in. And he's like. Well, you know, you've been saying that like um, people shouldn't wear masks, and I, it's just like these people have such selective hearing, and they only want to hear something so they can dismiss you as like, oh, he's an yeah. anti-masker. It's like, no, everything's complex, everything's nuanced, everything's shades of gray. I've never once said this on this show. I will give a thousand dollars to anyone who can show me the, the the part of this show where I told you to not wear a mask. But because they can't examine the nuance and complexities. They don't understand that I was saying like, well, you could, you should wear a mask, but just know that it's not a hundred percent protective. Yeah. Um, and you know, like this is from reading studies and stuff like that. And so whatever. And he's, and he's telling me that. And then he's telling me, he's like, you know, um, and you've been really critical of like Dr. Fauci. And I'm like, yeah, well, he's like lied a bunch yeah, and got caught. And forth, all yeah. Over the place, yeah. yeah. And he said, well, you've been talking about the lab leak and like, blah, blah, blah. I go, listen, man. You should be congratulating me. Like, I was right about that six months ago. I had to take it from everybody in my life telling me I was crazy and I was conspiratorial, yeah. blah, blah. And I was like, this is like mainstream news now. Like, Vox, CNN, they're all scrambling to hide their tracks. Like, Vox got caught the other day editing old articles to make it look like they weren't dismissive of the oh, theory. Shit. This is journalism yeah. now. All right. There's a lot to unpack. <clears throat> First of all, do I sound like that? It was a really good impression. Is that a good impression? Uh, you're really mean to Dr. Fe nice femphobia, dude. <laughs> like, it, first of all, I don't sound like that. It and if I did, like, that's a reason to dismiss me. Uh, listen, I'm perfectly fine with someone mocking me and trashing me. I have a thick skin. I was a comedian for 15 years. You can say whatever the fuck you want about me. Mention the name of the fucking show. <laughs> I spent hours prepping his segment. I read his book. 
I read a book to prepare for him. Honey, you can read. And there's an agree. Thank you, Alex. There's a there's a tacit agreement in entertainment, right? And the agreement is, I have you on my show, and I promote the shit out of you, and in return, like you promote me. It doesn't mean you have to like talk about me on your show. But for instance, if I tag you in a tweet and say like, Hey, so and so is going to be on the Adam Sank show, retweet it, <laughs> which he didn't do. Mm-hmm. Also, now there are exceptions to this rule. If you're Bianca Del Rio or Wilson Cruz, or Peppermint, or any of the really big stars we've had on this podcast, you don't have to do a goddamn thing. You're doing me a favor by coming on. Yeah. If you're Jordan Power, a Canadian podcaster nobody has ever heard of in this country, I'm going, I'm, I'm, you're good. <laughs> I'm doing you a favor by having you on. I didn't reach out to Jordan and say, please come on this show. His publicist reached out to me. Okay. Oh my God, that email blew minds. What, you said, uh, what I said back to the yeah, publicist. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> you came to us for help. You wanted our help. You are just a, I'm, I'm going to Canada, I'm fighting her. I'm fighting her. Jordan <laughs> Powers, if you don't understand, that. We don't come believe in, We don't believe in violence. But, <laughs> if you're going to go back on your podcast and talk about what a terrible experience you had on my show, then mention the name of my show so that your 12 listeners have the opportunity to check out my podcast and see what a good podcast sounds like. Well, see, that's the shade of it all. That's that's the, um, like, I'm not going to mention it. It's like, because maybe you don't want to be held accountable for exactly. what the actual conversation was. Exactly. Because the way he talks about, like, everything being, you know, so inside. Or, yeah, or, or he said, like, the second you went in, it's like, I can already tell he's not. It's like, so you've already closed off your mind right. to And also, person. like, you're, 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 you're picking the wrong... Uh, boogeyman f- to prove your point. Yeah. I, as I said to Aaron Berg, I have a master's degree in journalism from Columbia. Mm-hmm. I spent six years working as a producer at Fox News and five years working as an administrator at the New York Times. I think I can pretty much discern facts from bullshit and I know how to read a news article and say, okay, well, this is fact and this is spin and this is bias. He, I don't live in a fucking MSNBC bubble, you cunt. Mm-hmm. I don't even watch MSNBC. So, like, that's a ridiculous characterization of someone that you don't you didn't even bother to Google. And yeah. P.S. Google me and Google Jordan Power and see who's more famous. Oh, I mean, I don't really have to. But the, her whole thing, her like, even when she was on the show, I was looking at Ryan during the whole interview. She was boring. I don't care. It I'm wasn't a good interview was, on his part. Yeah, it was no. like I tried so hard to connect with him on so many levels. And she was, was just, just being defensive. Mm. So I'll end this rant by just saying this. Unlike Jordan, I'm happy to say his name and the name of his podcast. It's called Unmentionable. And I want you guys to check it out. See if you can get through an episode. And then after you listen to it, I want you to leave his podcast a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. I'm not asking anyone to trash it. I'm asking you to give it an honest rating and review. If you love it, give it five stars and write an amazing review. And do the same if you hate it. And then do the same for the Adam Sank show if you haven't already. I dare Jordan to ask his 12 listeners to take the same action. How? Um, I already of read it and reviewed it. So if you guys see a review that says, uh, this is some boring white people shit from haters. <laughs> that's me. Me right there. Oh, like it. Amazing. Anyway, that's more than enough time to spend on him. And I apologize if this all feels very self-indulgent, but... I it felt, is called the Adam Sank show. It is I think you're allowed to be self-indulgent. <laughs> it is my show. No, I mean, I just, I felt strangely violated by the whole thing. 
Okay. Um, do you need to show us on the doll where you felt violated? Yes, I do. Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> like, I also felt violated. Like, show us on Lady. Lady, that. come here. And also, when you do listen to his show, tell me that he's not in a right-wing conspiracy theory bubble. No. He is. His friends, his co-hosts, no one, there's no opposite opinion. It's, it's right. always his rule. I'm well, like, it's the same here, to be fair. I mean, I don't generally have on, like, Trump supporters. I mean, but... Okay, I, mean, I can have a disagreement with you or not agree with your opinion or, or agree with you have to say. Like, that, that, that's my point. With his people, they, uh, it was yes, yes and, yes and. They're like yes and people. And it's like, well, like they went to UCB. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Moving on to something far more important and historic. Uh, this is a, a little bit of a breaking news story. It happened uh, just a couple days ago. The U.S. Senate voted unanimously to delegate the site of the Pulse nightclub as a national memorial. The Pulse nightclub, you'll recall, was the scene of a horrific mass shooting back in in June of 2016. It's actually the anniversary. What's today's date? It's the 12th. 12th. Yeah, today's the anniversary. It's been five years, which is amazing. And um, this was actually sponsored by Republican Senator Rick Scott of uh, Florida, And Marco Rubio spoke out. He said, quote, the terrorist attack on Orlando's Pulse nightclub was a heinous act of violence and hatred toward uh, against members of the LGBTQ community. Forty nine innocent lives were lost on that horrific day. As the fifth anniversary approaches, we must continue to honor the memory of those who were taken far too soon. Um, Similar legislation was introduced by Florida Representative uh, Val Demings, who is now running for Rubio's seat. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, the new legislation is slightly different, but basically there will be some kind of national memorial where Pulse once was. And I don't want to give the Republicans too much credit here. Like they're still going to vote against LGBTQ rights, any chance they can get, particularly when it comes to trans people. But I do think it's a measure of how far we have come in the culture wars that this was unanimously passed. There was a time when you know when Jesse Helms was in the Senate, this would have never been unanimous, and it may not have even passed. It wouldn't have passed in, let's say, in the in the eighties, mm. um, or even most of the nineties. So, it's something. Um, wh- what would be really meaningful would be if they passed gun control legislation mm. and closed the background check loops and stopped allowing people to purchase weapons of war, machine guns, assault rifles. Uh, not machine guns, but semi-automatic No uh, one weapons. needs an assault rifle or no. a semi-automatic to go hunting. It's like, yeah, the deer aren't that fast. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're fast. But come it's on. called an assault rifle. Like it's made it's, for war. It's, it's like... You I, know what assault rifles are for hunting? It's lazy. It's You yeah. didn't take the time to learn how to hunt, so you just have to spray the area till you kill something. <laughs> exactly. I knew a comedian once. I wish I could remember his name. He had a joke about assault rifles. He's like, the name of the crime is included in the name of the weapon. He's like, oh, here's my rape knife. <laughs> you know, like assault weapon. Oh, uh, sidebar. I, I got a, a message from one of our lovely fans. Oh. Uh, they could send me gifts, you know, for my new apartment stuff. And they're like, oh, my God. On the recently on the ass, we've been killing it. So I want to give us that message. You've been killing it? We've been killing it. Oh, how nice. We, yes. awesome. Do you want to say the name of the fan? Wayward, Wayward Tom. Thank you so much for listening. His name is Wayward Tom? Yes, Wayward Tom. (laughs) And I'll take that compliment as well, even though it's my first time on the show. Alex, it's all about you. Thank you. You have been doing an incredible job for the past 23 minutes. It's awesome. Excuse me, my mother's calling me, not knowing that I'm Oh, okay. Hi, JB. Tell Mrs. JB we said hi. Hi. 
be kind to her. Um, you he, look like her when you're shaven. Yeah, JB told us <laughs> before the show started that he never shaves his beard because if he does, people think he looks like his mother. Mm -hmm. I kind of get it. I get it. I look like my mom too, I do without too. my beard. Yeah, my man likes me to shave, but I'm like, I look like my mom when I shave. Well, you've got long hair like a woman too. So, and also large boobies, I, we yeah, should say. They get, yes, they get they're clocked very on hard and boobs. solid, but they're... Yeah, you guys check out Alex Ringler on um, oh, Instagram and all TikTok. He's fine. such a thirst trap. Okay, so Alex, no. this week a lot of people thought that Apple was banning Grinder and Scruff. What? Holy shit, you just blew out the mic. Welcome. Um, because they released news that they were doing away with any apps that dealt with overtly sexual or pornographic material. So Instagram? Defined by Webster's Dictionary as explicit descriptions or displays of sexual organs or activities intended to stimulate erotic rather than aesthetic or emotional feelings. This includes, this includes hookup apps that, that may include pornography or which may be used to facilitate prostitution. I've never heard of anyone facilitating prostitution on Grindr or Scruff. Have uh, you, Alex? Not, never at all. Except every minute of every all day. Anyway, so people Generous. freaked out. LGBTQ Twitter went crazy. Oh, my God, they're censoring us. Where are we going to find Dick now? <laughs> um, but the good news is they are not banning Grindr and Scruff. Um, speaking to Apple Insider, the company clarified that the new language comes in response to some recent scam ops. Oh. Excuse me, scam apps. Scam, scam ops. Scam ops. Scam apps that were popping up in the uh, the app store recently, that and they were trying to quote stop the proliferation of apps that were not actually legitimate dating platforms. Apple clarified that casual dating apps like Grinder or Scruff, which have been legitimately operating on the app store for years, will not be impacted by guideline 1.1.4. I would love to see this like press conference that Apple's having with like all the cameras and microphones around them, but like, no, it's like, and just explaining exactly what is okay and what is not. No, we are still going to allow penis. Um, we in, and, uh, and perhaps if you show a glimpse of your ass, it's fine. But if not, it's, it's a full ass. We're permitting people to show their ass, but not the actual whole. Not the whole. We need a... Please we, don't spread your cheeks. Please pixelate. Posing that. for photos. Um, yeah. No, but I I have had. I, I think What's JB's happening? locked out. JB's locked out. Can you Did let him you, in, Alex? We can't hear you. Alex, let him in. Oh, okay. Uh, meanwhile, U.S. I think we did this story like a month ago, but for some reason it's back, and maybe it's a different poll. But U.S. support for same-sex marriage has reached a new high of seventy percent, according to a new Gallup poll. The new high shows an increase of ten percent since the Supreme Court ruled on marriage equality in 2015. Let me repeat that. Support for marriage equality in the United States has gone up 10% since 2015. Yes, that is a huge increase, and it really shows you the power that the courts have to sway public opinion. That was a Gallup poll? It's a Gallup is poll. Is that better than a Fuji poll? What's a Fuji poll? <laughs> it's an Apple joke. It's a dead joke. Okay. Don't, <laughs> don't, uh, don't get me off track. But here's the real gag. You ready? This year, for the first time, a majority of Republicans said they supported same-sex marriage. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like you're gagged enough. Uh, uh, what? Republicans? I got you. <gasps> there it is. Republicans? I am shocked. 
I am shooketh. I. It's, it's he. He didn't respond immediately because he actually passed out for two seconds, yeah, and then he got girl. up to respond. Uh, I'm trying to find the actual number. More than 80 percent of Democrats support marriage equality, which is not really a shift. Independents support it at 73 percent. And Republican doesn't really say. I feel like Republicans started supporting this because they realize how much money there is to be made on gay weddings. Well, that's right. And it, all, it and, really and, like it boosts the economy whenever gays get married. It's and, like a helicopter and like swans and shit. Well, and also now that there's gays for Trump and like gay Republicans and they're growing, unfortunately, <laughs> they realize like, oh, we can't totally shut these people out. Let's just attack trans people. Okay. Let's just make this about like war on trans people. It's all um, find a boogeyman. Once it. opponents of legalization, Republicans have mostly come to back it. You know, things do change. Yeah. Little by little. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the Pentagon will continue its policy of not flying the pride flag at military bases. Um... During a Department of Defense uh, press conference, uh, John Kirby, who's the press secretary for defense, said this in no way reflects any lack of respect or admiration for people of the LGBTQ plus community, personnel in and out of uniform who serve this department. We are proud of them. Um, this, uh, this was really more about the potential for other challenges that could arise from that exception. In other words, they're afraid that if they're that if they can fly the pride flag, that some people are going to demand they fly a Trump flag or the Confederate mm. flag or something like that. I thought it was because military bases are gay enough already. I mean, <laughs> listen. I mean, I'm on the bases every time just servicing men. Okay. Uh, yeah. I lived with two guys in the U.S. Navy uh, Thank you in for San your Diego, service, and it was a pretty Thank gay apartment, let me tell you. <laughs> Um, I don't really have a problem with this. Listen, I support the troops 100%. They're yeah. lovely people. They do what they're told. They don't make these decisions about who, when and with whom to go to war. Mm. But those uh, those bases are, to me, a symbol of war. I don't know that the pride flag necessarily yeah. belongs there. Mm -hmm. As long as they're not flying the fucking Confederate flag or some other hateful Bulls. symbol, I'm okay with them not. Just fly the American flag. Yeah, That's fine. fine. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Is everyone okay with that? I think, yeah. All right, let's move Yeah, on. no hate. I mean, no, it's just like the, 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 the thing with the police officers. That's how I feel. Yeah. Well, I, I said it two weeks ago. I'm not repeating myself. Yeah, yeah, I listened to that episode too, and I was, uh, <laughs> there was a moment last week where I had to like just drop out because I was trying to connect with Jordan, and he was also late, by the way, mm. linking up with us, which mm -hmm. is another reason why he's an asshole. But um, <laughs> anyway, so you and Ryan were kind of going at it, and I felt like Ryan wasn't listening to what you were saying. So I just wanted to <laughs> Speak up for you and say what you were saying is you don't give a shit about the uniforms. Did Ryan actually yes. get fired? Is that why I'm here? Uh, yes, <laughs> Ryan is fired. Okay. You were saying it was the guns that you had a problem with. Yes, it's it's the weapons. It's always the weapons, which it's I agree the, with. It's the tools. Like I, I know you should never blame the tools, but these tools in the wrong hands put many people's lives in danger. So, for the record, Jordan Bercy feels that the gay uh, officers' actions. Action League Gold. can march in pride with their uniforms as long as they don't have guns. Yeah. All right. That I is your position. I just wanted to make it clear because it got a little bit. Uh, Thank you for my. Uh, you just remind me of a cop story I had. Please. That happened to me recently. It was, mm -hmm. It's very nice for the New York State Police, I guess. I wasn't feeling well. Got a little nauseous. I just started throwing up on the train. Oh. Right. 
Yikes. Yeah. So then I'm at Forty Second Street. I'm here. I'm here in the city. I'm like right right this office. And the police officers are like, Are you are you okay? Come 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 away from the tracks. Come <laughs> come away from the tracks. Please don't fall on the tracks. Yeah, I know you're throwing up, but I need you to come away. I was like, You guys are being so nice, I appreciate it, but I need you to back away. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I need you to back away. Not only am I throwing up, but yeah, give me the heebie jeebies. I'm sorry. I appreciate you what you're doing. I do, but I got a bad feeling. And it continued through up and they backed away. So I just wanted to say things are changing, I guess. Okay. That's a lovely nice. story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got my space. I asked for space and they gave you my space. I know. I'm really glad to hear that. I am. I feel like we should like film a recreation of that. I know, right? I'm <laughs> that for it. Yeah. Dun dun. <laughs> episode of Law and Order Vomit. <laughs> Special vomit unit. Well, speaking of the rainbow uh, flag, Florida has reversed a decision to not allow a local bridge to be lit up in pride colors. Uh, the controversy kicked off after the Jacksonville Transportation Authority announced that the local Acosta Bridge, which is normally blue, would be lit up in rainbow colors for a week to mark Pride Month. However, and following that, an order swiftly came down from the Florida DOT instructing the city of Jacksonville not to light the bridge. Um, the Acosta Bridge is regularly illuminated in different colors to mark other significant dates like breast cancer awareness, holidays, the Jacksonville Jaguars football team, very much like the Empire State Building, yeah. but like on a tiny little mm. sad scale. <laughs> this past Tuesday, however, uh, the Florida DOT reversed itself. It said that its decision to refuse to allow the rainbow lights was not motivated by anti-LGBTQ sentiment. It was just that Jackson needed – this is so ridiculous Jackson, – Jacksonville needed to apply for special permission if it wants to use more than one color. Jesus. How many special what committees kind of they, is did they have to like convene to, like, to deny this and then reapprove it? It just seems like a lot of time wasted. So Something that's not – that big of a deal or yeah. on a huge scale like the Empire Stable like that's that's my thing you know they have this horrible governor Ron DeSantis okay. who's probably going to be the presidential nominee for the Republican Party unless Trump runs again well then I hope it's him instead no he's you know what he's every bit as disgusting as Trump he's just smarter oh, he's oh, like a smarter no, Trump mind. <laughs> uh, anyway a spokesman for that piece of shit said on Wednesday that she didn't know exactly why the lights had been ordered off at the last minute. Quote, the governor was most definitely not involved in that decision, and it's absurd to think otherwise. Right. Absurd. Well, the bridge duly turned rainbow again um, on, um, I think, Wednesday or Thursday, and uh, a review is going to be carried out into the state's bridge lighting policy. These are the big issues in Florida. This is, this is what, what they're dealing with. Um, they are not the first rainbow lights that Florida has turned down, however. Last week, the Florida DOT declined a request from Sarasota to light their John Ringling Causeway Bridge with rainbow lights. This is despite allowing it to uh, be lit up in red, white, and blue last year for COVID-19 patients. Uh, it also refused rainbow lights on the Sun Sunshine Skyway Bridge, which connects St. Petersburg to Manatee County. There's no word yet on whether those decisions will be reversed. First of all, why are there so many lit up bridges in Florida? Number one. Number There's two. There's a lot of bridges. Number two, why are there so many decisions about, um, can it be more than one color? I, we need to get a special committee in here. 
to decide how many colors are allowed on this bridge. Yeah, it, there's a lot of time being given to this issue. And in yet, a state nothing that, about COVID. In, in a state that's literally like sinking into the ocean. <laughs> Zero things about COVID. Nothing about, cl- no, just go do it. Nothing about global fine. warming. We, we are concentrating on bridges, guys, and the lights on bridges. We don't have time to deal with COVID protocols. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> All right, JB, is our guest plugged yes, in? Yes, we are. All oh, good to go. I love when guests come in on time. It is, it's refreshing. It's right? refreshing. Well, I'm excited because our guest today is a disability awareness consultant, writer, blogger, porn actor, mm. and a podcast host from, guess where, Toronto. And God knows we've had a lot of luck lately with Canadian podcasters. But I have a feeling this one's going to be terrific. This podcast explores sexuality and kink, among other issues, within the disabled community. Here's a taste of Disability After Dark, in which Andrew talks to British porn star Gabriel Cross. Watch that video. Like you said, you know, it gave you a better understanding of of my disability and ability like what can you kind of elaborate on that for me like what did what did were there moments where you're like oh i didn't realize that would happen not that so it um not that oh i didn't realize it it just gave me a much better understanding in general it wasn't necessarily surprise it was just because i'm assuming you don't uh you kind of don't have use of your legs at all no. I can feel them. I just, they're not, they're not good for walking. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, it was, a it was a very hot scene and, um, I hope it allows people to start breaking down that, um, that boundary we have of, um, not seeing people with disabilities as sexual. I love how Gabriel Cross sounds like a spokesperson for the palace, and he's like a filthy bareback porn star. <laughs> that or like possibly the next Spider-Man he's in the, the Marvel Universe. most posh accent I've ever heard. But anyway, please give a warm-ass welcome to the host of that podcast, Andrew Gerza. Andrew? Hello. Hi, Daddy. Hi, how's it going? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm all right. Uh, thank you for being on time. I don't know if you, you would have no way of knowing this, but we had a terrible experience last week with a different Canadian podcaster. So I have much higher hopes for your interview. Well, I, I'm excited. (laughs) Andrew, when and why did you start this podcast? I started this podcast back in 2016 because I realized there was not a lot of podcasts talking about disability. There would be like big shows like... Savage Love would do one or two episodes on disability and include disability once or twice. And there were like other shows that would do that, do like a very special disability episode. But then that was it. And then I was like, well, there's more to it than that. Why don't we have a constant stream of disability discussions? And so I initially started it five years ago, wanting to bring sex and disability to the podcast space because there was nothing there. Yeah, I mean, I think you you definitely filled a hole, so to speak. Mm. <laughs> Andrew, for for listeners uh, uh, who might not know, like what cerebral palsy is or what the challenges are that go along with it, can you sort of talk about about your your history? Sure. Yeah, I was born uh, three months premature, May six eighty four. I was born in California in the OC. Um, and I was born with cerebral palsy, which means that I had a lack of oxygen at birth, which caused brain damage. And for me, and for me, that means that I can't walk and I'm a full-time 
power wheelchair user, and I need help with pretty much all parts of my day. And cerebral palsy, people who have cerebral palsy are on a, a, a wide spectrum, right? It, it yeah. affects different people yeah. differently. Yes. I noticed that you use the word crippled a lot. In your writing, on your podcast, you have a, you have a tattoo of the word crippled on your body. Is that one of those like, negative connotation words that you're reclaiming for the disabled community in the way that you know, some people of color have reclaimed the N-word and we gay people you know, often use, call each other fag and so forth? Um, I wouldn't say that I'm reclaiming it for the, the disabled community because I can't speak for all of them. I'm reclaiming it for me. It's language that I use to get people to pay attention to the things that I'm talking about around disability and sexuality, like ableism in the queer community, all those kinds of things. So I use that terminology very purposefully. Um, I wouldn't recommend going to going up to another disabled person and being like, hey, cripple, what's up? Don't, don't right. do that. Right. But for me, it's, it's a term of empowerment, and I use it in my presentations and the work I do because I want to make people sit up and take notice and be a little bit shocked and use that shock value to make a point. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the terminology with the disabled community, just like with every other community, has been evolving over the years. So when I grew up, you know, we called people handicapped, and then it became disabled, and then it became people with disabilities. Like, what, what is sort of your preferred terminology for I yourself? I would say for, for me, and for, I'm just going to clarify that for me it's not preferred, it's just who I am. Right. Um, it's for me it's disabled uh is the term that i use but with every person with disability like you said the language evolves the meaning evolves and i think we like you said handicapped there and and i didn't flinch because i've heard it before and i know what it is but and i I listened to the way you said it and it wasn't done with any malice it doesn't wasn't done with any ill intent so i think that for me i listen to the way people use that use terminology and I listen to the way they say it and how it's used and then I consider are they trying to be mean to me are they trying mm. to be be rude are they trying to learn what are, what are the, why are they using the language that way right so I think it's very important in the disability community that we remember that it's a journey to understand disability and we're all on it together yes in that interview with Gabriel Cross I listened to the whole thing and you bring up something very interesting which is that the AIDS crisis in the 80s and 90s created this deep-seated fear among gay men of illness and of people who appear ill. And you see that as directly impacting the disabled community. Can you sort of talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I th this is something that I've felt for a long time, but I haven't really voiced because I'm always really wary of, because I didn't live that experience, and I definitely don't live with HIV or AIDS. So I, I don't want to speak for them, but I feel like a lot of people in during that crisis saw their friends dying, saw their friends getting sick, and they were like, oh no, I don't know how to deal with that. So that's why we kind of evolved into like, we got to be really healthy, we got to stay really fit, we got to go to the gym, mm. all, this, all, all these times. And I think seeing their friends die and get sick made them think, well, anybody with a disability or who's in a wheelchair or who needs help is sick and it reminds us of that and so I'm afraid. And then, then it just evolves also into people who in my generation, who just don't understand disability and who think that you have to be active to be a certain type of queer person and you have to be fit and you have to be all these things. And it just, it's a, it's a big evolution of people not understanding. 
I think you've just hit on so many important things, yeah. Andrew. I mean, first of all, I am a person living with HIV, and I'm very comfortable with your saying that because I think you're, it's spot on. I, I, here's what I remember from, from the 90s, which is I came out in, like, 92. I was 21. I was eight. <laughs> All right, bitch. You don't have to rub it in. We know you're much younger than me. Um, no, but, but, but it, it's not, it wasn't just we were terrified of illness, which we were. That is when the hairless look became popular. Mm -hmm. That's when men started shaving their bodies because hairy men, that was associated with age, and if you were older, you were probably, uh, in, our, in, in the eyes of, of you know, people, the general public, you were seen as more likely to have HIV. Mm. If you were young, you were unspoiled. You hadn't been infected yet. And so that's why everyone started shaving their bodies and, and wanting to look like boys instead of men. And something else you touched on, that's kind of when the, um, the workout and um, steroid use started uh, being Absolutely. much more prevalent in the gay community. Because yes. it was seen to be like, quote unquote, healthy if you were like big and had a lot of muscles. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, Andrew, I'm sure that like disabled people never had a picnic. Uh, in the gay community, but I think that, that you're right. I think the AIDS crisis made it 10 times worse. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's something that I've felt for a long time, but again, didn't want to voice because it's not my experience. But voice it's it. nice to, to hear that, you know, you, you understood. Absolutely. And I think, and it also speaks to a larger issue for everyone, whether you're disabled or not. It's this um, sort of body fascism that we all must look a certain way that as alex covers his face alex is like zero percent body fat like total put on these sunglasses you're like such a muscle clone i'll see myself out. but uh that we don't, we're not judging you alex we're just saying that there is a there's an impossible standard to which um gay men hold themselves and one another and and straight, Clearly not and straight men do it to women but not to themselves true straight men can look like anything and they're fine with yeah, it but women CBS. have to be perfect um <laughs> Andrew, uh, you are a, obviously a very sexual person. Uh, no, really? Wow. I mean, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> when, when did that start for you? When did you become aware that you were kind of a, a, a little pig? Um, uh, probably from the time I was, probably from the second I was able to experience sex, I realized that I was like, oh, I like this. When you were oh. a little piglet. Love it. <laughs> yeah. How I'm old like, were you? I was 19 the first time I had sex with somebody, and it didn't turn out super well. The guy said basically that I was a I was a petty fuck, and I <laughs> oh, it wasn't super great. That's um, not good. But I recognized then that I wanted to be a, a giant slut, and mm. so I did. So it I opened did that. your it opened your new window. So. Open a new window. <laughs> it opened a lot of things. Mm. Yeah, I bet. How old were you when you knew you were gay, Andrew? Uh. When I knew I was gay, I mean, it's evolved since then. I'm queer now. There's a whole bunch of different coming, that, coming out I've done. But I knew I was gay probably by the time I was six years old. I was like, yep, I like boys in a totally different way than the rest of my friends. What's happening here? Um, and <laughs> then you, it kind of just evolved from there. Was it the same for you guys, Alex, JB? <laughs> yes, I found out I did like boys more than girls. When you were six? When you were that old, young? Um, I, I remember it was... I was in the fourth grade. 
and that's and, it. Yeah, that was a realization, and snapped. I was like, oh, how old were you? Okay. I don't know. Um, people have been calling me gay since I was like five because I was in dance. Yeah. So um, even if I did have inklings that way, I probably I was denying it for so long to both myself and other people. See, that's the thing. Everyone thought I was gay, but yeah. I didn't think I was, and I had no desire for boys whatsoever until I turned thirteen. And then it was like a light bulb going off. In For my me, head. it was like I was in a locker room one time, and it's like the basketball team just got done showering, and mm. I was like, mm, mm, "That's delicious." Mm, okay, <laughs> and then yeah, I had yeah. that. that. See, I could never enjoy a locker room. I was always so afraid that someone was going to see. <sighs> That's me why I had to quit the football team in high school because all the boys. I That's like, why, oh. Andrew. You <laughs> you performed in one of Davy Wavy's Hemeros videos, or more than one. How many did you just do the one? I just did the one. Yeah. So you are. Uh, officially a porn actor what what was that experience like for you it was really fun i was it was really an exciting experience because i he reached out to me we had done some work together on his youtube channel and we had done some promo stuff when he had come to toronto and he knew about me and we were friends and he said i know you wanted to do porn for a while um we there's an opportunity for you to do one in your house in the comfort of your home with somebody would you want to do that and i was like oh my god that's amazing yes sure <laughs> um and i did i jumped at the chance and i emailed my sex worker friend and said listen we've done we've done sessions together i trust you would you do this with me um and it was really great because people got to see a disabled person having sex in a way that I don't think we've seen ever in gay porn, really, yeah. that I've seen. So it was exciting for me to be to put that on screen. And it's something that I've been championing for years and years, saying we need disabled people in gay porn. We need to see these bodies being sexualized in a way that's positive and powerful. And so to be able to do that with my friend and someone that I trusted and to be able to show Things like getting me out of my wheelchair, getting me into bed, getting me in my in my special lift, all the things that I need as a disabled person was it I think an important thing to show. Awesome. I didn't see the video. Um, I did see some of uh, Kenneth Robert Conan's video, and we've had him on the show. I don't know if you know that. I uh, I didn't know that, but I know him. Yeah. I, I can I consulted on his on his video. Now hit, when, hit. Sorry. Go ahead. When it was being produced, I was a consulting partner on there. Now, his was just an oral sex video. In yours, was there oral and anal? Yes. Fun. And you were the bottom? No. You were the top. Shit. Yeah. Why, nice. Why would, you think I, why would you think I was the bottom? You know why? Because I listened on your podcast where you talked about being in a sling in the dead turtle position. So I made an assumption that I maybe shouldn't have made. Come on, dead turtle. <laughs> <laughs> I am well. I, <laughs> dead turtle position is just lying on your back, unable to move. But um, but me, I'm a, I, I'm emotionally a disabled bottom. Physically, I'm a disabled top because of many reasons. All right. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, you recently tweeted the following, and I want to ask you about this. You tweeted when a disabled person is asked, "Can you get hard?" by a prospective partner. It is one of the most damaging, hurtful things that we hear. It makes our internalized ableism go off the charts and makes us explain our sexual worth. Stop asking it. So I hear you and I believe you, but I, I'd like you to explain to me why that's a bad question. It's, it seems to me that like if I'm on Grindr or Scruff and I'm chatting with someone, I'm asking them a million questions about what they want to do, what they can do, what their dick looks like. What, you know, like that's sort of what we do when we're looking for a casual hookup. So why is that a bad question? Right, but would you ask a non-disabled person if, like, if they didn't 
identify as disabled and on my on my scruff and grinder profiles i'll say like i'm a bear in a chair right now my thing is thick dick crip um ah. b- but you know would you ask that <laughs> would you ask can you get hard to a non-disabled person probably not the assumption is that they can so the minute they realize i'm disabled they start asking really really personal questions about my body about my abilities about can i can i fuck can i do this can i do all these things so you're saying that question is specifically ableist then yeah i I just feel like it's very ableist to ask that as one of the first things you ask a person with a disability is like hey can you can you does your dick work and it's Mm. like you know there are some people with disabilities whose genitals don't work the conventional way and that doesn't mean they can't derive pleasure from what's happening right that doesn't mean that they can't enjoy themselves and i think that's why I have an issue with it because I have queer disabled friends who can get erections but still have great sex lives and conf- are confronting with this question all the time and it feels really bad for them. Understood. Uh, Andrew, we have a listener uh, on the phone who has a question. I, we didn't screen this so I can't promise you it's, it's a great question. It's up to you. Do you want to take it or not? Sure, of course. Okay, Mark, go ahead and uh, what's your question for Andrew? I'll behave. Don't worry. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so I got two questions really quick. Number one, I wanted to know if uh, as a person with a disability performer, as porn performer in disability, has there ever been a request that was so dark that you were like, no, that's crossed the line. And I also wanted to ask you if um, I'm sure you've heard of Falcon videos and they go all the way back to the 70s where people did porn for a very different reason. And um, I'm wondering why why porn stars are taking more of a, a heroic approach that, you know, we're enabling our bodies and we're proud of our bodies. And uh, I'm just kind of curious. All right. So the second question, why, why the, change? the second question is a very broad conversation that maybe it isn't specifically uh, something Andrew should should address, but but I'd love to get your answer to the first one. And just to be clear, Andrew's only done the one porn, right? Yeah, I okay. wouldn't say that I'm a porn star or, or even performer. Really, it was it was more of an educational like, one off chance. And I mean, after COVID, I'd love to I'd love to do more, but we'll see. You're a porn dabbler. But in terms of like dark dark <laughs> sexual requests, like have people? I'm sure you've gotten a lot of creepy people on the hookup apps. I mean, I've had people who, I had a guy once who who put me in bed and then made out with my wheelchair for five minutes, and that was very weird. And Whoa. I was not able to that. Um, he was one of those. What do you call those people that fall in love with bridges? He was, um, that's a thing. Do they live in Florida? Because they light up. I, I saw that video, but I don't remember who. I don't remember what it's called. But he was one of those people. Yes, he was into inanimate objects or just really into wheelchairs. But I was. Way over there with my dick out, being like, "So, are we gonna have sex, or are you just gonna finish with?" Oh my chair? god! What else? Give us another one. That's a good. A- that was a good um, answer. You know, and I've had people who, you know, I've had people who've tried to do things to me that I didn't want, and do things to me that I that I didn't consent to because of my disability. And so, I mean, I wouldn't say that it's all been that my sex life has all been great it's, I've been dealt with a lot of ableism in the sex that I have um, which is why I you know engage with sex workers because I can meet somebody who I trust and get to know and then feel safe in doing so yeah it seems to me that trust must be a huge part of, of any sexual encounter that you go into 
Yeah, 100%. It's, it's, I always talk about consent and we talk about yes and no a lot and how yes means yes and no means no. But when you say yes as a disabled person, it's so much more because I have to trust you to get me out of my chair, get me into bed, get me undressed, position me into whatever we're trying to do. And I have to trust that my disability doesn't scare you enough that you're going to leave halfway through. Right. Mark, I'm going to let you go. Thank you for, uh, for listening and for calling in. Uh, we have just a couple minutes left, Andrew, and we're going to play everyone's favorite at-home quiz show, Ask Me No Questions. Oh, JB, you keep hitting the wrong one. Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Okay. Andrew, describe the perfect penis. Mine? Yes. All right. Describe yours. Uh, wow. I guess it's thick at the base. Um, it's thick. Mm-hmm. People that have slept with me have said it's very thick and they seem to enjoy that because apparently they assume that I didn't have a thick one. So when they see it, they're like, wow, I didn't know you could do that. Um, I love a thick dick. It's hairy, I guess. I don't, <laughs> I don't trim. It's very, we talked about 70s porn a second ago. Um, it's very much in that vein. A natural bush. Yes. Yeah, very natural bush. Um, it's nice. It's cut. It's about eight mm. inches you just said my magic word. Right. All right. I love a big, thick cut dick. Uh, Andrew, who's your favorite porn star of all time? Uh, me. Wow. <laughs> He's a very confident person. Yes. <laughs> who are your favorite? <laughs> this is such a terrible question. Who are your favorite and least favorite disabled celebrities? Who? Um, <laughs> who? And by the way, we ask, every, we, we ask every guest this question, depending on which community they represent. So we're not picking on you. Oh, I, oh, uh, I plead the fifth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How do you feel about the Netflix series special? Are you a fan? Ryan O'Connell is great. We're yeah. really close friends. Oh. I know him. I've interviewed him on my show a bunch of times. I love what he's doing with that show. It's powerful. It's important. And it's about fucking time. Awesome. All right. I think it's a fabulous show. Um, other than yourself, who is your celebrity crush? Uh, John Stamos. Mm-hmm. Oh, good answer. That's a correct like, answer. John Stamos has really Uncle kept... Uncle Jesse, let's go. He has kept his hotness <laughs> up all, for all these years. seasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, if your penis were a vegetable, what kind of vegetable would it be? Oh, that's a good question. A big, thick carrot. Oh, come on, carrot. Now, it, carrots are smaller at the tip than they are at the base. Is that the case with yours? No. <laughs> no. That's a good thing. <laughs> the thickness is consistent is what you're saying. Yes. Yes. Um, I have a question. Yes, please. Do you get mad when people say Toronto instead of Toronto? No. Okay. Is it my... Is it me that keeps gurgling like that? It is you. Oh, my goodness. That bagel is repeating on me. Um, What has been the most exciting day or night of your life so far? Uh, When I got to go to Los Angeles to have my podcast nominated for a Queerty Award in 2019. Yes! Which is something that has yet to happen to the Adam Sank Show. Um, Andrew, Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, we were nominated for a podcast award, which is something different, but not not a Queerty. Yeah, we were nominated for a potty. Andrew, tell people how they can listen to your podcast and follow you on all of your platforms. They can follow my podcast by, by subscribing to Disability After Dark wherever you podcast. New episodes out every Saturday. Uh, they can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter by going to andrewgerza underscore or follow my website at andrewgerza.com. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I think, Thank you so uh, much for having me. I think you're amazing. I think your podcast is amazing. And um, I, I hope we can speak again. I would like that very much. All right, baby. Take care. 
Thank you. Alex and JB, please plug yourselves for the listeners. Yeah, for me, uh, Alex Ringler on Instagram and Alex Ringler Zero on TikTok. Come follow. <laughs> I am stuck at Eric E12, only on Instagram. Uh, and you can follow me, me, on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Sank and on TikTok. I keep forgetting to mention TikTok at Adam Sank Official. We'll talk about TikTok. So are we all doing TikToks now? Is that, is that What's yours? Oh, my God. I, I was talking to my baby brother about doing TikToks for my cooking and drinking and stuff. And we're setting it up today. There's a lot of cooking and drinking. All right, tune in next week to hear another brand new ass with our special guest, trans comedian Julia Scotty. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to order your ass merchandise at adamsank.com. Leave me those goddamn reviews and ratings. Um, Yeah, that's basically it. Have a great week, bitches. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Bye.